Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Brigadier William Bishop as he's displaced through time and arrives at episode 435. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Oh, recovering. How, yeah, how are you feeling? I have to apologize to our listeners that we're getting out so late this week and we skipped last week because um, I was I had lower back issues and I was flat out on my back for three days last week. Then Sean and Mel were getting ready to go out of town, so we just called off last week and then all gearing up to record yesterday and then I got some sort of stomach bug. So <laughs> I'm feeling better now. My back's returned back to having issues after kind of thinking it was over with for the weekend but i'm i'm getting along now so you don't have a cane with you so that's i don't no i'm still not yeah last week i would have had i last week i couldn't walk with a cane i couldn't walk at all wow it was bad would you like one it was (laughs) i've got one actually um but no i ended up at the doctor on tuesday and and that was just a chore to get there we considered (laughs) calling an ambulance to get me somewhere yeah it was bad Oof, that uh, is rough. Me rolling like a ball down the stairs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm bouncing back now. So I did get a lot of stuff watched. Though. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, well, when you're flat out in your back, you have nothing yeah, else to do. Yeah, that's true. You watch a lot of movies. Um, I'm going to do a brief rundown because I watched I really, I watched a bunch of stuff. Uh, let me go all the way back. I finally got around to watching uh, Dumbo. We went out uh, a couple weeks ago and saw it in the theater at the Dollar Theater. And how was it? And it was it was enjoyable. It's cute. It's not you know not the greatest live well, quote unquote live action uh, film, but I, I kind of like what they did with it. The changes were nice and and uh, everybody did a good job. So I was I enjoyed it. Uh, watched Tag with the one with the guys the adults playing tag that's a fun movie Isn't it fun? I, I had no idea what to expect in that film but it is fun it's it, it gets a little raunchy and silly at times but it, it's it's a lot of fun uh then i watched life after flash which is the <gasps> sam jones uh documentary really good it's interesting i learned a lot of stuff about that gave me a new appreciation for sam l jones um that i you know sometimes you you see one thing about somebody, uh, just the persona that they have, and then when you find out more about their life, you kind of go, okay, that makes sense. So it actually, was enjoyable. I actually just nabbed that one from the library. It's streaming on Amazon Prime now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, it right. just it must have just dropped on because it was on my list uh, recently. I uh, well, watched Murder Mystery on Netflix, which is an Adam Sandler fic- flick, which it was okay it was middle of the road it was better than a lot of adam sandler films i'm not a big fan of adam sandler films but it was the it trailer was, intrigued me enough that i added it to the yeah, watch list it, <laughs> you really kind of feel like uh, uh sandler and and um jennifer aniston are ad-libbing a lot of it because at times it feels awkward but it also in the in another sense it feels a bit natural too the the, the way they play it off so uh sandler's characters gets a little bit to get used to, but I think it was appropriate for the role. So, hmm. uh, I watched a documentary called Bathtubs Over Broadway, which is a terrific film. Uh, I can't remember the band's name now. I, I had it in my head earlier when I was coming over here, but uh, he's a, he was the head writer for David Letterman for many, many, many years. He went around and started collecting record albums uh, for that they could do Dave's record collection on the show. It was just this gimmick. It was a gig, but he started finding all these what are called industrial albums, and they were their albums that were literally produced 
from these shows that they would have for uh, like big like companies like Ford and Westinghouse and all these. They would literally produce like these musical shows for their, uh, you know, top brass and the people that came to the uh, industry shows every year, like quarterly or yearly shows. And they would release them on albums. And it's it's this hmm. he described it as the the most amazing and largest thing that nobody's ever seen. Nobody knows about. And, and he was right. And he goes around and collects them. It was a fascinating. He got, he got to meet some of the people that actually performed on these. And he talked to one guy that was really um, integral to a lot of these shows and kind of gave him the recognition that the guy never would have gotten because nobody knows about these things. So huh. it was really interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then uh, I got around to watching Ocean's 8 yesterday, So, which is good. It's It has the tone of the Ocean's films, but it the stakes don't seem as high in it. So I, yeah. I, I was a little disappointed by that, but uh, I enjoyed it. In fact, enough that I think if they did a Ocean's uh, 9 and an Ocean's 10, I think that'd be worthy. That was it. That's about all I watched. We're halfway done with Good, good Omens, and I think I I almost got caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think I'm one behind now. So I think I'm still one behind also. Did you guys watch anything? Um. Yes. You had to go to your list. I had to go to my list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went out and saw Toy Story Four. How was it? It's it straddles that line between it was it was good, but it wasn't great. It was good, but did it need to be made? And it didn't. Thing? It really did not need to be made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an enjoyable movie, but it. I don't know. I really felt like it. The fact that it had eight different screenwriters was kind of apparent because it kind of felt like it meanders through several different stories and they couldn't necessarily nail down which one they wanted to do. It's still an enjoyable watch because these characters are so compelling that you want to be back in that universe for a little bit. But three is such a nice capstone ending that do we really need this one? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Frustrated with that. Uh, we went and saw The Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch-directed uh, Bill Murray, Adam Driver zombie movie. I've only ever seen one other Jim Jarmusch movie. Which other movie did he do? <clears throat> well, he's done several, but the one I've seen was uh, Dead Man, the Johnny Depp black-and-white western. Oh, okay. Which I did not enjoy at all. And had I known this was a Jim Jarmusch film, I probably would have skipped it. <laughs> Didn't like it, huh? Um, there are moments that are great there are some really really funny bits and um it's a slow burn it's much much more in the vein of a romero zombie film than Shaun of the dead so if you're expecting a raucous comedy then then you know don't do that but it's also super bizarre as i understand most of his movies are so if you like his stuff you'll probably really enjoy this one if you don't like his stuff uh, don't bother because it's just weird Hmm. Um, we saw Men in Black International which kind of had the same Toy Story vibe it was fun to be back in that universe for a bit but ultimately unnecessary which is really kind of a shame because there were moments that made me go wow I really did miss this universe I didn't think that I would (laughs) but then there was a lot of it that just laid there and didn't do anything, even with the great chemistry between Hemsworth and, and Thompson. So uh, that was a little disappointing. I watched one called Operation Finale, 
which uh, has Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley. It's the hunt for uh, Adolf Eichmann, the guy who uh, was responsible for the final solution in World War II. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, some very powerful acting, and unfortunately, some severe pacing issues with the plot kind of destroy everything that the actors do. It, uh, it does, it's not set up well. And then uh, my final two are much higher recommendations. We watched Welcome to Marwin, the oh, Steve really? Carell. Uh, oh yeah! Wow! Really? It's mm. got it's gotten panned by critics. Yeah, and I can see why because it's it's one of those <laughs> movies that I imagine they made it and then they turned it in and the marketing department went, "What the hell do we do with this?" <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's a it's a dramatic movie about this true event about a hate crime and this guy that literally had his memory beaten out of him and suffers from post-traumatic stress syndrome and, you know, kind of copes with it by living in this fantasy world with his action figures and his dolls. And Robert Zemeckis being Robert Zemeckis, he takes those uh, fantasy moments and turns them into kind of a pseudo-animated G.I. Joe cartoon and it's part comedy, part action adventure, part drama. drama. Part, I mean, it's 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 this whole ball of, I have no idea how to classify it. Uh-huh. Hmm. But it was really, really good. And Steve Carell, um, wow. I, I mean, I knew he was good. I've seen him in a couple things and I've really enjoyed him. But he continues to show me that, no, he really can act. And I kind of forget that in between films. But it, it it really was amazing. We really enjoyed it. And then we went and saw Yesterday. Ah, oh. How was it? Um, not as great as I would have kind of maybe built it up in my head to be, but super enjoyable. Is it? It's just That's a another one that movie. the critics are kind of tearing down. Yeah. I got a little worried about it. Yeah. Because no, I was just, the same way. I built it up in my head after you showed it to me. And... It's just, you know, obviously... You, you have to enjoy the Beatles music, right? Um, <laughs> but it's it's got a nice little message Check. to it, <laughs> right? Look, is there anything in this that? No, I'm good. Yeah. Just, <laughs> um, so I guess in in some regards, you could kind of compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody. That is there anything? You've seen the trailer. You know exactly what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. There are no surprises with this film. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoy that premise. You're going to you're going to walk out of here and say you had a good time. So. Well, that's how most Richard Curtis movies are, though. Yeah, and I it's, mean, and that's the thing is it, it, knowing what it's going to be. It does not hit the highs of uh, you know Love Actually or even About Time, which I really really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's it's as good as either one of those. But it's still a, it's still an enjoyable, fun, just feel good movie. Hmm. And then we also are uh, the halfway point of uh, Good Omens. Keith, did you see anything? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you guys watched all those movies, and I didn't. You're watch busy anything. replacing uh, electrical boxes and uh, air conditioning. Air conditioning. Having my sister come into town last weekend, and then Gemma's birthday this weekend, and it's been busy. How Man. was that? I feel bad that we couldn't be there since we were at a conference. The, the party wound up being a kind of an intimate soiree, but uh, she had fun, so that's all that matters. Good. She still got distracted and lost interest in presents near the end. So <laughs> <laughs> she blew out her own candle, though. Oh, wow. So that was good. Um, yeah, and today was her act- is her actual birthday, and we had a lot of fun. 
just doing stuff Gemma wanted to do, would want to do. So, and she's two now, right? She is two. We got a pool, got the pool out, and she got a water table for uh, her birthday. So we've been outside a lot since uh, <laughs> Saturday. I bet, <laughs> as it's if we weren't been, outside a lot to begin it's with. It's been the right weather for it, though. Yeah, so. we. Uh, we remembered that we were storing a little canopy tent type thing, one of the, you know, just blue tops and uh-huh. the legs yeah. in our basement, and pulled that out and put that up to cover the pool up, so not as much sunlight on there. Shade, yeah. Got a nice little uh, backyard oasis for her. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, should we move on to news? Lots of news. Well, four big pieces, in my opinion. Um, the biggest being. They've announced the next Blu-ray set. <laughs> if you cast your mind back to two weeks ago, the right. day after we recorded. <laughs> the day after we recorded our last one. That's how it works. Season 23, also known as The Trial of a Time Lord, coming out in on Blu-ray. Well, interesting that they picked that particular season for Colin Baker, but it is completely encapsulated. So I think it makes sense. It's divisive among fans, so there's a lot of people that like it and a lot of people that don't. But it is a, kind of a nice one big story of here you go. True. And it's kind of, you can, for those who haven't seen it, you can promote it as this big epic, you know, trial and, yeah, you know, all true. that stuff. Depending on how who you're targeting, I suppose. That is true. What else? The End of Time is going to be shown in theaters for its 10th anniversary. Isn't that crazy? 10 years. 10 years it's been. August 7th, the Fathom Events. It will also feature a brand new interview with David Tennant, in which he reflects on his time in Doctor Who and all that has come since. <laughs> you started that sentence and my brain translated a brand new ending and I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> A brand new interview. I think it needs a brand new beginning, a brand new middle, and a brand new ending for me to go see it. But unlike Endgame, <laughs> <laughs> right? Here's an added scene with the Hulk. We didn't finish the animation. Ta-da! <laughs> uh, yeah. Other news. Uh, as part of Big Finish's 20th anniversary, they are going to stream 20 hours of their audio on the Doctor official Doctor Who YouTube channel. Mm, yeah. So it's going to be like the Twitch marathons, and they're going to have a schedule that will be coming out soon, so you can dip in and watch what you want, or listen to what <laughs> you want, uh, on the 20th and 21st. And it's going to range from all sorts of things, including, uh, I believe, some stuff starring Alex Kingston. So possibly yeah. some Diary of River Song. I believe that I did see that there's some Diary of River Song on that. So you'll have to keep an eye out and see what the official schedule is once it comes out. Yep. But it will also debut the first episode of The Legacy of Time, their big 20th anniversary Ooh. release. Will debut in this streaming schedule. That is super cool. Yeah. Not just Legacy of Time, but the 
the whole streaming idea of, of that. I, I I approve of that. What a great way to get new people into Big Finish. Yep. Nice, easy, accessible way to listen to the audio. And side note, I found my fire stick and my remote. Oh, hey. <laughs> and plugged it in and immediately went and set up my Pluto TV. So yeah. I've got the Doctor Who channel all ready to go now. So Nice. Have you watched anything on it? I watched about five minutes of Robots of Death the other day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've got to turn it on and just have it playing in the background sometimes. <laughs> uh, the last bit of news I have, it also comes from Big Finish, and character options are making some Dr. Dalek sets from Big Finish stories. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. So the, see, the, That was the big news. You should have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> End with the big news. The... There's going to be three unique Dr. Dalek twin packs, one of which will be the eighth Doctor in his blue leather jackets. And it is a gorgeous sculpt. Yes. It's a really cool looking figure. And the Dalek, I think, looks really cool too. It's Mm -hmm. a blue and silver thing called the Indalek Interrogator Prime. There will also feature a seventh Doctor one, and a War Doctor one. Yeah. So How much you want to bet it's a special mm-hmm. weapons Dalek? Eh, they've done that. I think it's going to be something completely different. How much you want to bet it's a special weapons Dalek? <laughs> you should bet him because I think you're right. Oh, yeah. It'll be something different. <laughs> it's going to be something from Big Finish. Right. Huh? How much you want to bet it's a special weapons Dalek? <laughs> special weapons Dalek 2. <laughs> yes. The extra special weapons Dalek. <laughs> That's also really, just really exciting when we get a new War Doctor action figure. Because yeah. right now, the only thing we have is from Day of the Doctor. Yep. It's pretty cool. Cool stuff. More stuff that I would want to buy but can't afford. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there might be other news out there, but there well, was I'm sure two weeks worth of stuff. We'll that... release a Blu-ray release tomorrow, news release tomorrow. Did you guys see the uh, trailer for... John Pertwee's season that they're doing, the new trailer that came out. It's a gorgeous trailer. It's a nice action packed, and it's got a song in there. But for Joe, it's a it's a long trailer. (laughs) Just it's just a promotional video, Uh but you know, Hmm. it's pretty cool. I I recommend it. Cool. We'll have to pull that up later. All right. Well, should we move on to feedback? Feedback comes from Jamie. Jamie writes, hi there, Vortexers. Continuing on with my plow-through of old episodes, I'm at 110 now. Enjoyed the galley interviews. I wonder which costs more, Mel's Happiness Patrol costume or those of the BBC? (laughs) (laughs) Probably Mel's, quite honestly. (laughs) It's nice, though, that she's thinking outside the box. The first Doctor Revisited. I enjoyed the special. I agree that they're very bare bones and simple, ideal for brand new viewers or new who who only viewers. I think that the more advanced fans won't get as much out of them, but that doesn't mean don't watch them because they're still good Doctor Who programming. As for Prisoners of Time, I enjoyed the whole story. I'm enjoying your theories on the matter. Did any of you suspect Adam Mitchell? Nope. 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 The art is either okay or very good for the Eighth Doctor. uh, Excuse me. The art is either okay or very good throughout the series with the exception of the eighth doctor issue i didn't like the art in that one i suppose with the exception of the daleks and the monk the first doctor had no recurring villains the cybermen didn't really become a recurring villain until troughton 
So having the resurgence of the web planet, the only serial I have ever seen in its entirety, never seen in its entirety, is as good a returning villain as any. I'm having trouble reading tonight. Episode 111. So you report the announced cast members for an adventure in space and time, David Bradley as William Hartnell. You then go on to talk about how much he looks like the First Doctor, and how we now have multi-Doctor stories with him as the First Doctor. Christmas 2017 rolls around, and we get Twice Upon a Time. And then after that, Big Finish starts releasing First Doctor box sets with the cast of Adventures of Space and Time. Do you guys claim credit? <laughs> yes, should. yes, we do. <laughs> or is this just the natural progression of the initial casting of David Bradley? <laughs> As with most things, I'm going to claim serendipity and say no, that, that No, we that's made us. some calls and said, you know what you guys need to be doing. <laughs> the Leisure Hive. It was different compared to what had come before. JNT definitely wanted to distance himself from the jokey, farcical Graham Williams era. I read that he was essentially a mafia story inserted into Doctor Who. It's good, but a bit on the slow side, and not necessarily one of my favorites. Enjoyed the Brighton Beach bits, though. <laughs> Finally, for this episode, Hunters of Earth. I enjoyed this story, but it's not necessarily a favorite. Your comments on the title, Be Very, Very Quiet, We're Hunting Earths, was great <laughs> and should be put on the list for possible best of early day show. Done in the style of the Companion Chronicles, I've listened to all these, save for number 11, The Time Machine. Episode 112 in your annual galley trip. Sounds like you had a lot of fun. While cons and cosplay aren't my thing, I don't usually mind hearing your adventures, although I uh, skip the updates. So far, every doctor that you guys have met has sounded wonderful. Both Sylvester and Paul sound like great people. And they are. Finally, episode 113, and a return to the eighth doctor. The Natural History of Fear. I really enjoy this story. The twist at the end was great. Great acting from the regulars. You were wondering what film it reminded you of, and mentioned Tron, which I've never seen. I propose that it also has small ties to Blade Runner, the slow pace and the test for replicants, essentially, mm. or especially. The biggest outside source that it reminds me of is 1984. It is essentially Doctor Who meets 1984. It's interesting, now that you say that, I can see that, but we hadn't, I, I hadn't we seen had, 1984 yeah, uh, at that point. We reviewed that later. Um, the Twilight Kingdom, on the other hand, while a decent enough story, feels like it could just as easily be placed in the normal universe. Still, it's enjoyable and isn't boring. As to your questions on Rassilon and the Time War and Romana's involvement, the answers are in Gallifrey the Time War box sets. That's it for now. Keep up the good work, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. And because uh, we were skipping a week, we're going to go ahead and read off another one. This is also from Jamie. He writes, Hey, Vortexers, episode 114. I like bagpipes. <laughs> For those of you mentally keeping track of where he's at. Bagpipes are cool. The 11th Doctor should totally get to use bagpipes sometime. Anywho, the Reign of Terror. No. No. <laughs> I kind of think that of all the things you could give the 11th Doctor, bagpipes would probably be on the, yeah. the top of the list of things he should not, should not have. I've... <laughs> Uh, I watched the version with the animated episodes when I hit this for my watch through. The plot of Reign of Terror was well done, but I don't remember watch. I catch a lot, a, a lot of catch and escape, if I recall, although I thought the animation was well done. I've never actually watched a full reconstruction for missing Doctor Who episodes. I might have watched the condensed version of Marco Polo, but for my watch through, I watched all the available episodes, and if I came across a missing episode, I'd listen to the audio CD version. 
The First Doctor, a retrospective. I guess the First Doctor is, well, my least favorite Doctor. It's not that he's a terrible Doctor, although, yes, the dated sexism in Twice Upon a Time seemed very farcical. I like most of his companions, Ian and Barbara, Vicky, Susan, Stephen, Sarah Kingdom, all memorable characters. Ben and Polly are good, but they were with the Second Doctor longer. Katarina wasn't a companion long enough, too primitive. She didn't need to be if you look at Aramum or Jamie, and uh, was therefore written out exceedingly fast. And that leaves Dodo, who's kind of the odd one out because so many of her stories are missing. I've heard that her accent varies scene to scene, and she's just kind of there. I guess the first Doctor is my least favorite because he's the grumpy old man. The one gets involved the least. He's in black and white. Not that that's a bad thing. He's just not as memorable as, say, the fourth or the seventh Doctors. He doesn't have the mischievousness of the second. He isn't loud and unavoidable like the sixth. And he doesn't have a huge audio presence either. But yes, he's the first, and without him, we wouldn't have Doctor Who. I don't know, I just can't really place it. I really like 10. He's fun, a joy to be around. I really like 8. He's got that love of adventure and discovery. I followed him through Big Finish. The dark and scheming 7th Doctor I like. Just having so many lost episodes really hurts the 1st Doctor. He's antiquated. He doesn't have that overpowering presence that you get from the Bakers. Yes, he has an excellent story arc from Grumpy Old Man Who Kidnaps People to the Kindly Grandfather Who Fears Being Alone, and he has some really good stories from time to time. I just don't know. I like all the Doctors, but he's the one who falls into the background with so many more that overshadow him. Which story best exemplifies this incarnation? Well, I agree with Sean in his comments about the Dalek invasion of Earth. I can see Keith's points in his pick, He's a Marinus. I'm not sure I agree that this is the best representation of the First Doctor. Wow, Glenn, a really good breakdown. You really thought this out and broke it down well. I'd have to agree with your, at least part of your pick, the Time Meddler. For mine, well, I'd have to pick one of three, and I just don't know if I could break it down any more than that. The Aztecs, the Time Meddler, and the War Machines. Here you see the authoritarian grandfather and time lord in the Aztecs. You can't rewrite history, not one line. You get the mischievous, playful first doctor and the time meddler. And you see the defender of the innocent and the war machines. Out of curiosity, now that you all have so much more who under your belt, only four stories of his that you haven't covered at this point, would you change your pick for the quintessential first doctor story? What are your thoughts on this six years down the line? Have your views changed at all? I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Jamie. I'm not sure that I would change my mind because I think that I think the time meddler, meddler still lands there in the middle giving us the best of both sides of the doctor. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I would change my mind. I don't know if I would either. Although I'd, I think now I'd put Galaxy 4 kind of up there as far as der doctor characterization goes because he's he's taking a side and he's a bit more interested in what's going on in that but the rest of the story is kind of eh, so I don't know yeah <clears throat> I um we've certainly had some some good first doctor episodes that we've reviewed since then and I could argue that there are some contenders uh, as you point out Galaxy 4 um, the, the Dalek Master Plan uh, was certainly a good one and showcased a lot of elements of the First Doctor that I really like but I don't know that I would change mine either. I still kind of feel that uh, the Dalek Invasion of Earth because it came first um, 
I mean, well, obviously the dollars came first, but we've got the chasm. I just can't. Uh, <laughs> just can't. You go can't there. get over the chasm. I can't get over the chasm. <laughs> Neither, Neither could they. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the award for terrible joke goes to. I put uh, the crusade up there pretty high too. Ooh, I yeah, like that that's a, a good one. I'd put that high in the well. It's a historical. It's a, it's a good movie, or it's a good story. It's I don't know that it's. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think it's it is a... quintessential. Quintessential first Doctor, though. I don't think it's his best representation of the character. See, and I'm thinking through all of his stories, and I don't really know if there is a quintessential, because there he goes through so many phases. Yeah. I think probably choosing three like Jamie did is a good way to do it. That's probably true, yeah. Maybe we'll revisit that as an episode again. Step through all the doctors again. How about one of the ones where he's on holiday? That would probably be... <laughs> well, that's, that's probably be, most representative. That's, that's got to be one of the stories. Is he's <laughs> got to be on holiday during one, that story. One of, one of each story, <laughs> at least one. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Theta Sigma's Doctor Who podcast. He actually gave us a shout out on the this his last show. Um, somebody had asked who some of his favorite uh, podcasts and who he listened to and recommends are, and we made the list. So, oh my, uh, oh, hey. yeah, thanks again to him for the shout out. And uh, if there's anybody that has discovered us because of Theta Sigma's uh, Doctor Who podcast, uh, welcome. Yeah, I shall have to check out Theta Sigma. All right, I've been listening to him for a while. So. Have you? Yep, he's pretty good. He's very knowledgeable, and he really kind of breaks things down really well. In fact, I, I learn a few things from him every once in a while. He'll have a nugget that I didn't realize. Hmm. Oh well, then I will learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if he's teaching you things, my God! All right, should we move on to our review? Lethbridge Stewart, the Laughing Gnome, the Danger Man. He's a man on a mission, but he has no idea what the mission is. It's 1999. Bill Bishop is plunged into a world of intrigue as he inhabits the body of Callum Bence the, of Department M, a.k.a. the Danger Men, on the trail of millionaire entrepreneur and suspected super spy Dieter Allegro. But is Allegro really the bad guy he's made out to be? And who is the mysterious Otto Di Candita? And why is he so interested in the contents of a certain CD-ROM? <laughs> As he seeks these answers, Bill can't help but wonder, will he ever find Anne and the Brigadier? Will he ever return to 2011? Or is he destined to be lost in time forever? Join Bill in his borrowed body as he travels from Johannesburg to London to Torquay and Austria in his mission impenetrable. On his mission impenetrable. John? Bum, bum, bum. I had a lot of fun reading this story. I did too. I had fun reading this story too. I sense a but coming. It's not a good story. Oh. It has everything that I should like about a book. It's very James Bond. It's very Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. It's makes reference to Doctor Who the movie, <laughs> <laughs> which let's or be honest, out loud. It, it gains a full star just for that, right? Yeah, really. yeah yes, absolutely. Um, Ensuring that the movie takes place. It's William Bishop, who I love. Um, it's it's espionage and intrigue, and it 
continues to fall on its face through the whole story. You get into a situation where you've got Bill in this really classic, unique spy thriller situation. And he's thwarted at the beginning, dropped into a situation which I think he cleverly works his way in immediately, being disoriented as he is and not knowing where he's at. He really pulls it off, even to the point where he's captured by Sonia. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Sophia. 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 Sophia? Yes, Sophia. I believe that's right. It's been a few weeks since I finished this <laughs> book. So I think actually it's like June 13th, I think, is when I finished it. Um, so even when he's thwarted by her, tied up, he manages to get away. I think he does a good job of pulling off the Stella. The, Stella, that's it. The amnesia thing, the, the you know, just fumbling through the whole thing at Department M. I thought was clever. I thought they did a really good job, although I think there was a bit of 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 luck involved and and happenstance as well. But I I think Bill handled that really well. And then they set up this mysterious uh, D de... Otto. Let's call yeah, him let's Otto. call him Otto. They set up Otto, and that's intriguing. And I wonder where they're going to go with that. And then we 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 go off to. It, it's really, really enjoyable and fun when we go off to the, um, you know, he gets put in the, the uh, psych ward, basically, the, <laughs> the rest home for a while. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Sir, Al, uh, Sir, God, these names are escaping me. The, the, the head of the department M comes to him. Sir and, Gerard. And Sir Gerard. He sends him on this little secret mission off the books, you know, to go infiltrate and get this, this information. And he goes off to the conference and, you know, almost gets caught, but gets released. And then they decide they want to go get the, the disc and he gets Vic and they sneak into the compound and they get captured and taken to later. And that's all great. And it, it's in fact, it's all really good up until the escape from there when they tie Stella, Stella up in the closet. And then it just falls apart from there. It just becomes a run away, run away, run away. You don't know what's going next. And then they get, we have this really weird thing where you think he's been shot and then he wakes up as Stella. And I think, okay, what is this? The first of all, this has not happened to any of the net laughing. No. Right. So kudos to them for trying this. So then I'm building up in my mind. Well, this is great. This will be, if, if he's Stella in this whole, whole rest of this book and he has to try to figure out how to get this, disc that way now that Cullum's got it back he's successful in the mission as one and now he's lost it again I thought what a great idea it's so intriguing where's this gonna go only to find him track down Cullum and force him to push him off a bridge so he jumps back into Cullum that was weird and and it felt like it felt like they went it felt like they went one direction and decided I don't know what to do with this and so they sent it back the other way and you know just the whole I, I I did like the the surprise of the fact that you know allegro really didn't do isn't really doing anything anymore he's really doing good bill sympathizing with him this all just being a you know a, a jealousy ploy by sir gerard gerard um it just it falls flat because then there's there's no intrigue it's all kind of happenstance there's a nice moment in the diner towards the end where he ends up getting to meet or he ends up seeing the younger versions of of uh, Lethbridge Stewart himself and Anne, 
but it was completely unnecessary because they make the point at the beginning that he remembers this guy's name. And it's almost like it was a payoff just to be a payoff. You know, if it had been, there had been some connection. Had it been, I mean, it was nice that he gave uh, Sir Alistair a, 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 a bolstering talk or something to bolster him up when he's on the, you know, kind of the downs now because he's not being reinstated, but it just, it felt unnecessary. And then we've got this intriguing auto guy who I'm really fascinated by. And I'm, I'm hoping that it, we didn't get much because it's something for another story that, that they're, 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 you know, they're playing their cards closer to the chest. So that's intriguing and interesting, but it, it, it felt like Bill, some mysterious guy that he sees on an overpass several times and beats him to a um, uh, service station where he's going to have lunch, sits down and tells him, I need you to get this disc to me. And he just, because it means the end, you know, it'll save the end of the world. And he's like, okay. It just seemed like he <laughs> it didn't went, take much convincing. Yeah, he went by it really too, too quick for me. So that that's where I thought the first time it kind of fell on its face. I'm kind of backtracking here, but it's just, there were little things where I really kind of felt like Bill was mastering the craft. And then there was some times where it felt like Bill was just kind of stumbling along, hoping for to get lucky, uh, get the next lucky break. And so it just kept bouncing back between forth between that. So I just kept I, I kept feeling like they, that, that Bill's building up to this great potential in this story. And then every time he builds up to some great potential, it's uh, a, a bit of, of of almost writer cheating luck, you know, to get him out of a scrape or get him away from a situation. And it and we go to that uh, interrogation thing that Allegra has with the the sphere that he ends up. And I thought, okay, this is this is something. This is big and intriguing. What 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 device does this guy have that he's able to? And then they drop it. There and and which made it even worse that when Bill's you know saying you know this is just a a jealousy issue you know you're 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 being you're, you're you've got this personal vendetta against Allegro and that's really the guy's just doing great things. The guy practically <laughs> tortured you to find out what you knew with and some who you weird were, advanced technology with some that weird he advanced technology exactly. So not only does he have the plans for a beryllium cup, a beryllium clock, which he happened to just accidentally end up with i was okay with that but now he has advanced tech that yeah sure the guy's a you know he's got a fortune 500 medical uh technology company at his fingertips and he's you know a billionaire who can probably afford advancements in technology but for 1999 this is still way too advanced tech for this guy to have to have his pretty much you know record to be clean other than the fact that yeah he did sell some secrets back in the day but now you're just gonna let that go i don't know it just it the book's very uneven it's fun i enjoyed it it there was it was a fun ride but the book's very uneven and it, it made me struggle with uh, a lot of those things that didn't take me out of the story but made me kind of second guess what are you trying to do here with this book so the biggest dis- disappointment i had was the fact that while I appreciated the fact that Allegro wasn't the actual villain, that all of this was really for no reason. Right. I mean, right, we we, right. we take Otto at his word that the getting the brilliant chip or the clock, the plans for the brilliant, the clock. plans for the yeah. clock, uh, would cause a big problem otherwise. But I mean, there's no. I 
I expected some sort of turnaround where, okay, well, Gerard, Sir Gerard's really this big evil mastermind that we've been working for the bad guy this whole time. But it didn't even go there. It was just jealousy. And it's like, well, then why did we spend all of this time and all this intrigue about this character and this CD-ROM when it really doesn't matter that much? The book continues to have you looking for the big twist. And while yeah. it has a lot of subtle twists, yes. there's no big twist in the story. Yeah. Or big stakes, really. I mean, other than Otto's word that, you know, if the clock doesn't happen, it's going to be the end of the world. Right, right. Um, Stella's a bit intriguing. She's a good villainess. She was a great character, um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, again, missed opportunity when Bill leaps into her and is, you know, we're I was able very to, disappointed that we switched back so we're, quickly. We're able to take this story in a really intriguing direction now and just drop it. You're, you're, you're both not wrong. They're... Um... Wow. Um, I liked the middle chunk a lot. The, the that, that, that for me was probably the most fun. Is I, I felt like we were spinning our wheels a lot at the beginning. Um, with Bill spent so much time on his back foot with being dropped into, um, you know, this heist and then being beaten up and then being nearly set on fire and trying to play catch up and then going to the Dangerman meeting and... Um, the department, and then the scene that's right out of Never Say Never Again, <laughs> the, the, the old folks home with the spies, and then the infamous, well, I'm going to put you on this mission, and it's off the books, and you're working for me, and nobody knows about it. And it's like, oh, okay, you're the bad guy. That's that's a mm-hmm. that's 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 the classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the bad guy. Nobody knows about this, and you're going to be working for me. Totally, you're the bad guy. So I kept waiting for that reveal. And it never came. It never really showed up. He needed than, better motivation than jealousy. Yeah. Right. It, it just... So, and then we get some really weird on the highway with the, you know, the driving and the guy keeps reappearing, but then that doesn't really get explained. How can Otto go from overpass to overpass to overpass? At one point, I suspected that maybe it was the master from the movie that... <laughs> Actually, I I took a different direction. I thought maybe it was the doctor. I, I thought, thought so that too. too because he was so adamant to get the plans back in place because he knows that he has to have the brilliant clock in order to save the world. So, but the descriptions of when they they kept talking yeah. about it, it was like it's well, very master like. It, it, it seemed more master like than than, than doctor like. And then uh, you know, fun bit of business with Chorley and <laughs> yeah, I I kind of that was another thing that I felt felt was. Uh, uh, a lost interest there was surely gets a cameo, but I kind of wanted more. I wanted him to be able to give more than just a easy way to catch Bill up with some information that he needed. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, it was, it's frustrating because if, if you're going to bring Charlie in, he, he really ought to be used and not just a, not just an info dump, but then we get to, you know, we get to the fun bit. The the, the the adventure mode, the bond bit. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, just kind of... Yeah, I, uh, the leap within a leap. I kind of hate referring to it as quantum leap term. But yeah, it, I know. I said, I said leap earlier, too. But it's it the really only way is. to do it, really. 
um, the one of the challenges of uh, that I have felt with with the the, the laughing gnome is because of how these are, are are constructed, we're taking these characters that we know and we're putting them into these other people. And so that's right out of Quantum Leap. The difference is, in Quantum Leap, the reason that Dr. Beckett was in these other people was to use his abilities to change something and, and to be in that position specifically to make a difference. And we're still kind of unclear, I feel, at this point, what the purpose of the gnome is. Right, right. But it feels like we keep hamstringing our characters by not allowing them to make use of their gifts. Well, they don't. They need an Al. That's the problem. Is that Quantum Leap works because you got Al and Ziggy. Yeah. But with this, it's them having to fumble their way through every single time, and really the only one that, to me, has been able to efficiently do it twice is Lethbridge Stewart. Ann and Bill have seemed to somewhat bungle up their missions that they're on. Because they also just assume what their mission is. They don't really know. That, and I think that they, that they both have, because of their, I, I should say, that this is an interesting way to put this because it kind of makes Lethbridge Stewart look not so good, but they have some scruples. And that tends to hold them back. Woo, <laughs> <laughs> going but, there, huh? <laughs> but but, but Lethbridge Stewart seems to be the man that will do what needs to be done to get it done. Now, and the one that bombed is, yeah. uh, uh, civilization of Silurians right. under the <laughs> surface of the earth. Um, I mean. Which obviously that's why he's such a great leader. But uh, you know, he 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 ultimately makes the hard choices where Anne and Bill have both doubted their moves mm-hmm. too frequently. And I think that's why it's not working as well with Ann and Bill. Not to mention, I think the other frustrating thing about this story is we, we from this book, now it qualified the, um, although I think Andy qualified it for us, but uh, it qualified your, when you brought up the fact that Bill was the little boy in um, uh, Fear of the Web, which caught us off guard. We didn't realize that until you right. pointed that out. But this book even alludes to the fact that he's left one multiple, more time. Multiple at least that we haven't yeah. seen. Yeah. Um, so, although I think one of them may be a short story we haven't read, which, by the way, we probably should take catalog of our shorts that yeah, we've missed. Good so, point. Um, so there, there's probably a short or two in there that we haven't read that maybe this is that would fill in that gap. But So Bill's jumping around a lot so far. We know. I mean, we know that Alistair's jumped at least twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know he, but, but he had one encounter on his own. With the gnome, so right. he justifiably in, in in justifying it, we've justifiably as as far as um, a a doylist perspective of things, uh, we know that he's jumped twice because he's had two instances with the gnome. But it seems like since Anne and uh, Bill have come in contact, their first contact with the gnome, Bill's at least jumped three times, so or leaped three times. So that's intriguing that they've gone there and and and. I, we don't know much about that. I think that's a little bit frustrating as well. I think the other thing that I don't like so much about... The, the, these books are great. I'm enjoying the read. Every one of these has been good. The Laughing Gnome is an interesting concept. But until 
we get the MacGuffin or the reason why the this is happening. Yeah. The payoff. I think it's going to be continue to be a frustration for me. But we're putting these characters, and I and I applaud them for the the attempt to do something different. But so far, we've put these characters in situations that are not very much to me within the Lethbridge universe. This is such a sidestep from what we've had in the past that it's almost like it was it's it's sort of an experiment to keep the series from being stale and while i think that i appreciate that that's happened the only one that felt familiar as a uh, lethbridge student lethbridge stewart universe story was maybe fear of the wed because it was set in a time <laughs> that was in that yeah that, that was that was familiar to us so um i'm i'm be interested to see what happens in the because the final book is the uh, the dominator story yeah, right? rise of the dominator so i'll be interested to see where they go with that and perhaps it'll wrap that up but i kind of hope we're done with the laughing gnome and this concept <laughs> for that story because it, it just really doesn't feel like lethbridge stewart universe even though it's familiar characters and and they they're still staying true to their nature don't get me wrong it just it, it when they're not all together it does it doesn't feel right well, it just it, it it's frustrating to have a character that you know what they're capable of, and then tie their hands behind their back and not let them do it. Right, right. Um, and you, you mentioned, you know, the brig kind of having <laughs> scruples. <laughs> um, but the brig not having not scruples. having scruples. But I, 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 you, you could almost go the other way because at least in. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the in the first uh, in, in Scary Monsters, he leaps into a younger version of himself. He just doesn't yes. remember the events, correct? And then he leaps back into himself in Fear of Web. Yeah, both times he's so both into times himself. he's yeah. been himself. So right. he's he's had the agency to do mm-hmm. what he could do, whereas Anne was somebody else. Mm-hmm. She was not a scientist when, when when she when she did that. Bill obviously okay. He's a man of action here, but he's not. He's a spy, not a soldier. Exactly. So we're we're still in this unfamiliar territory, and I think that's the big that's the biggest misstep is they've instead of put them back in their own pasts, they put them back in other people's pasts, and that's where the problem lies. It it definitely creates a a, a weird a weird imbalance because we, we we it seems like we spend so much time treading on the. I can't tread on this guy's life. I have to be careful about setting things like, oh, I accidentally got him fired. I got to fix this. Or, you know, I can't. Well, Anne obviously had less scruples than than Bill did because Bill let that woman's life get ruined. Yeah. <laughs> or Anne got, let that woman's life get yeah. ruined. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, in a, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but all she, was, but there all was she knew was that they were separated. There was always something. <laughs> she yeah. didn't know the details. There was but. something there always holding her back from, from certain things, too. And then and then she got all un-Anne-like and <laughs> started. To, uh, we're not going to revisit that again, man. Um, but, yeah, it just, it, just, it just seems unfair to have these great characters and then rob them of their agency by yeah. putting them into these uh, other situations that they really can't do anything about. Just because that's the nature of the story. That, that to me, has been the most frustrating thing. And putting them in situations that don't play to their strengths, either. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, have them be in tough situations where they don't know how to overcome it. It's another thing of, oh, i got to go be a spy, but I've never spied. I've only soldiered. 
Right, that's right. not fair to well, and you, And that's okay to bring that up early on. Right. But to continue to use that as an excuse, then it just becomes very, well, you're very inept now because you're out of your element. So, yeah. You know, I, and I don't want to sound like I'm beating up on this book because I think it's written fairly well. And I did, I did enjoy it. I'm with you. I, I actually, I enjoyed the beginning of this book with the, the whole Johannesburg situation. I liked the stuff with Allegro and the, you know, they're kind of in the middle of the book. I agree. That was, that was fun. It was very spy, very James Bondish. Um, it just, the, 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 the things that surrounded those elements just to me fell flat. And I just, I, I, I think I wanted more or wanted the book to go in different directions and it didn't. And so I think maybe that was just what was maybe more frustrating for me was that, that it didn't necessarily, I didn't want it to be a trope. I didn't want to plop him into the world of James Bond and then just use all of the Bond elements that you would expect and, you know, make it formulamatic because then, then it's not enjoyable when you can predict it or it feels familiar, but it's just a different guy. Um, but it just, I, the, I had some expectations for it that didn't, pan out and i think that, that i don't i don't want to say the writer was taking some shortcuts but there were times where it felt like the writer was taking some shortcuts hmm. all that said i still really like bill bill helped I do. carry me through most of this book oh totally yeah well and you mentioned his you know when he met with Otto, it was just like oh okay I can buy that because it's Bill. If it had been any other character, no, it would not have worked. But because Bill is the science oh, fiction Lethbridge, nut, Lethbridge Stewart would have been really skeptical. Of yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, both both, both Stewart well, and, and Anne, Anne yeah. Would, yeah, would not have worked. But because it's Bill, and as much science fiction as he's absorbed, <laughs> he's the easiest one to kind of go. All right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that that I had no problem. <laughs> Fate of the world extinct. Okay. <laughs> Well, I hope we get some payoff with with Otto. Why he knows what he knows, um, especially when he calls him Bill. I that I, I literally when he when he said Senor Bill or sorry Bill or Senor Bill or whatever, and then and and he had been calling him Senor <laughs> uh, what's uh, Callum Callum's last name uh, Benz Benz Senor Benz, and then he said Bill, and I went I stopped before Bill even said Wait, you just <laughs> called me Bill. I stopped and looked back and said. Was that a screw up? And then I read on and went, "Nope." I, 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 I thought it was. A, I thought it was a uh, Doyle screw up, <laughs> right? And then realized, no, it's a Holmes or a Watsonian uh, screw up, and it worked for the story. I was like, "Oh, this got more intriguing now." This guy knows that this is not uh, Callum. Yeah, I hope we get. I hope we get more with that. Even if they don't do it in the Dominators book, is if if they at least flesh this out in some of the short stories that they've done in between, I think that that would help. And 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 there may be more substance that we're missing out on by yeah, not having done some of the the short stories, in which we is our fault because we've kind of fell down on on those. But um, yeah, I just I'm excited for the next book because it's got Dominators, and likely you're excited because <laughs> it likely will have corks in it again. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So we'll see where they're going with it. Let's just I hope, can't wait to see what let's happens. Let's just hope everybody gets home safely. Because <laughs> we still don't know if poor Bill got home. Well, no, he's got to jump to the next book. Yeah. I, oh, I, 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 an entire, I immensely love the fact that he left Kellum a note. <laughs> yeah. In his jacket. I thought that was great. Bill is ever the gentleman. Yes. <laughs> Well, one has to be when one's a danger man. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he's a lady. <laughs> All right, Sean, what well, we got to come up on the schedule? 
Well, coming up on the schedule, next week we return to Big Finish in celebration of their 20th anniversary with the Diary of River Song. We will be doing the first two stories, The Boundless Sea and I Went to a Marvelous Party. The following week is uh, Signs and the Rules of the Universe, also from the Diary of River Song. Uh, the week after that is uh, some uh, Big Finish Companion Chronicles, Frostfire, and Titan Comics, the first volume of the 13th Doctor, and special guest, which I confirmed this week, and I didn't tell you guys, so surprise, um, Tim. Yay! Yay! We're on Slack. We know that. Oh. Well. <laughs> we knew that was coming. <laughs> we see those messages, Sean. <laughs> yes, I yes I talked to Tim, our uh, our cohort from uh, from Sci-Fi for Me Tartar Sauce, and he will be joining us for that episode. So something new to look forward to. Yes, very cool. We're excited. Uh, beyond that, if you want to do some additional homework, you may want to start boning up on Sarah Kingdom. Uh, we have a companion archive. Uh, we'll be looking at the Outlaw Planet. The Destroyers, and Sarah Kingdom Space Security Agent. And I'll let you hunt down what, uh, <laughs> what, what, what the, those what are. Those are. I can't read my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll help the listener out, too, when we get closer to that, if they want to try to track some of those down. Keith, uh, why don't you remind everybody how they can contact us? Well, you can just go to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and there, there, there is a tab that says, Send Us Feedback. Just click that, fill out the box, prove you're not a robot, and it will arrive in our email box. Sean, how can people help us out financially? Please do not throw hands at me. <laughs> That's how you prove you're Unless not a robot. Unless you're a Voss robot, <laughs> and then we'll accept your feedback. There you go. Or um, canine. If you'd like to uh, send us some money, we accept all major credit cards, checks, gift cards, credit cards. Gift certificates. Cash. Cash. Cash is king. Cash is really good. Pennies. Sean, I'm going to cut this from the show. How can they support us? (laughs) You can go to our website and click on the support us link, which will take you to our patron page. Uh, Patron members, uh, basically all you have to do is uh, click donate link and uh, donate some money. We will happily take that. It goes to provide uh, server space and... uh, uh, all the technical goings on that are behind the scenes that I don't quite understand, but it pays the bills and we appreciate it. Very good. And don't forget you can subscribe and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Podcast Store, on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Player FM. Anything else that we need to do before we close this show out? All right, that's going to do it for this time. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.